Welcome to the Kingdom Life Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Dustin Box. For more great content, visit klcmain.com. Awesome. We're going to be talking about this morning uh, something that for, for who we are, not just as KLC, but as believers, is such a critical foundation piece. It's a cornerstone of how God moves, how God works, how we build uh, the vision that God has given us. And some of the things I'm going to say today, I'm sure you would hear objectively and be like, well, yeah, of course. Like, of course, you're that, but we're a Christian. That's what we're going to you know, agree with or whatever, you know, it's like some of those kind of things. But what I want to do is help you connect the importance of it and how it plays out in your life today. I think sometimes we miss how much what we're going to talk about today shapes how we do most of our life and most of how we, we run forward in the kingdom. Amen? We're going to be talking about inheritance and generational breakthrough. All right, this idea that God actually works and moves through generational increase. You can't escape it. It's the way God's economy functions, that he actually has intended for breakthrough to take place in your life through generational inheritance. Everything that God does from the beginning of the Bible all the way through, you're going to see this idea and this cornerstone of generational blessing, of generational increase. Come on. So what I want to do is I'm gonna, I want to lay sort of a foundation. The idea of how we do parenting, how we do discipleship, how we, how we engage in our community, it's all rooted on the same idea. Sometimes what we do, um, I feel like as believers, you know, and I think this is just, uh, I don't think this is necessarily uh, wrong per se, but I think we over-compartmentalize and segment off areas of our life. So, like, we have parenting, and we sort of have a way of doing parenting, right? And, you know, kids are little, so you just kind of get away with, like, ah, I can just pick you up and move you from the couch. You're just making a mess. I just pick you up and move you over to the couch. Unfortunately, you can't do that with a 15-year-old. <laughs> I mean, I can. No, I'm kidding. I can't, actually. My 15-year-old is rather strong now, and it's kind of scary, to be honest, you know? Um, so, like... But all of a sudden, you realize, you get to these moments, you're like, wow, my whole perspective on parenting was built on my capacity to physically control my child. And now that's gone, what do I do now? Do you know what I'm saying? And then you're, you're over here, and you're reading about discipleship, and you're, you're in life groups, and you're working with an individual, and you're like, I can't just pick you up out of this situation in your life and put you over here where it's better. But actually, healthy parenting is identical to healthy discipleship. We segment our life. Healthy relationships in marriage is identical to healthy parenting. It's the same foundation. It's the same cornerstone. And I think one of the, one of the things that I love about the Word of God, the journey that I've been over the years, is to begin to see some of these principles that we need to build our life upon and allow these other areas of our life to be shaped by this place. Are you guys following with me this morning? Yeah? So we're kind of getting get into that a little bit. The thing is, is the mistake that we could make is this morning you could be sitting there thinking, well, I don't have any kids, so I'm off the hook. I'm here to tell you this morning you're not, unfortunately. God actually intends to work through your life through this principle of passing something on, stewarding something for the next generation. 
Whether you have physical kids or not, the actual call for Christians is to understand being a spiritual mother and father, that we're actually called to steward something in our life and to raise up the next generation and to pass it on, whether you have physical kids or not physical kids. Whether you're married or whether you're single, the call for discipleship and mentorship, the call to actually steward what God's placed in your life so you have something to pass off to the next generation is on all of our shoulders. That you as an individual are actually called to steward breakthrough in your life. You're to steward this thing that you've been handed to then hand it off to the next generation. Actually hand off something of increase that the next generation gets to steward. Whether that's someone your same age, whether that's someone younger than you, whether that's someone older than you. God is going to place you in people's lives and you are meant to bring who you are, the breakthrough that is on your life. And you're called to actually bring that and share that with other people that they get to draft off of your breakthrough. They actually get to feel the momentum of what you have sacrificed for. And it's not all the same. There's things in my life that I've contended for, that I've experienced incredible breakthrough and maturity in certain areas of my life. And God has been faithful in my life, and I've been faithful to what God has placed in front of me so that I'm in situations and people that are weak where I've experienced strength get to benefit from the breakthrough I have fought for. But very similar to that, there's people in my life that I get to lean on because they have also done the same thing in other areas of their life. And by virtue of that relational connection, by virtue of understanding what that is meant to do, my life experiences an increase beyond my own capacity. The breakthrough that I'm walking in right now is actually greater than my capacity to have accomplished on my own. Do you understand that technically, we are all trust fund babies? (laughs) Unfortunately, many of us don't actually understand that you have been adopted into a new family and you've been handed a trust fund. And you live life from the perspective of lack and poverty or that you only have what you fought for and worked for in your life. And you want to know why you're still struggling with the same things, the same sins, the same attitudes. It's because you've neglected to understand the generational momentum and breakthrough that was handed to you the moment you came into relationship with God. And he placed the spirit of adoption in your life, that you became an heir of the Father, a co-heir with Christ. Do you understand what that actually means for you? It means you are walking around with access to spiritual inheritance breakthrough that you didn't have to pay the price for. Now, the mistake we can make oftentimes is we experience that, and it's amazing, and we're just like, oh my gosh, my life is blessed. It feels so good. I'm just so happy all the time. This is amazing. I know a lot of us aren't in that place, but I'm just saying, sometimes we are. And you make the mistake to like just sit in the breakthrough of what other people paid for. Instead of understanding that because of inheritance, we have a responsibility to steward it to then create breakthrough for the next generation. Without understanding generational breakthrough, without understanding inheritance, everything you fight for in your life ends with you. Every victory, every, every price that you have paid, everything that you've fought for in your life, if you don't understand inheritance, it ends with you. And the purposes of God that your life has been connected to dies with you. 
That's, that's a heavy word. That is a heavy thing to actually take into account. I actually have to understand generational breakthrough to understand my place in what God is doing in this world. To understand how I'm connected into a family line that God is entrusting breakthrough into my life that I get to steward and pass on into the next generation. My victories aren't just for myself. They're for my kids. They're for the people I lead. They're for the, the people that God has brought into my life to, that I'm meant to be a mentor or a coach or a spiritual father or a spiritual brother. Do you understand that? Like those breakthroughs in my life, they're for me, but they're also to create momentum and breakthrough for other people. God intends, the, 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 the plan of God in this world is connected to and resting on generational increase. It's fun. If you think about it, one of, one of the fun things that's actually really, uh, for me personally, I love reading. If you go back, right, 1500s, Martin Luther, you guys, Protestant Reformation, anybody? No, are you familiar enough with a little bit of history, right? You have Martin Luther. He's there. At this point, the, the church is selling indulgences. People are buying their way out of purgatory and like trying to purchase their way into heaven. The, the salvation is intimately interwoven into a works mentality. So it's like, listen, if I say enough Hail Marys, I kind of get a free pass and go do whatever I want. And then I just pay the price to like earn forgiveness. Martin Luther is reading the verse where it says, the just shall live by faith, and God uses that to create breakthrough in that generation, where he realizes salvation is not dependent on my works, it's dependent on my faith. That forgiveness of sin is based upon this, this thing of faith, that actually I receive a free gift from God, right? Well, then it starts this whole thing. If you go back to that time frame, and you read testimonies of people experiencing forgiveness, it was really common to have people come into church, to come into a worship gathering weeks on end, weeping at the altar for repentance. And they would get up, walk out unchanged. Unchanged. Did you hear me? They come in, they're confessing their sins, they're asking for forgiveness, and they would leave in the same state that they came in. And it would be like that for weeks, some people for months, and then there'd be a moment where, and then you can read these testimonies. They're at the altar, they're in this place, and, and they're saying the same thing. They're still confessing, they're repenting, same, same deal. And in a moment, something shifts, and the language that they use, it's like a burden is lifted off my shoulder. All of a sudden, the weight of all of my sin is gone. I, I can feel physically the forgiveness of God like transform my life. They get up, and they're changed. They're transformed. They're legitimate born again into newness of life and the way that they write it and record it it's, it's incredible you fast forward a hundred years and you read testimonies the great awakening and you'll hear people coming down for a day two days, three days, five days same description come in, repent they leave and, and nothing's changed next day at the meeting they come in Great, you can read these testimonies a great way. They come in the next day of the meeting. They come in the next day, and then all of a sudden, after a few days, they're, they're repenting of all. There's something shifts, and it's the same type of language. My sins are lifted. I've been born again. I feel the forgiveness of the Father like transform my life. I can feel the weight of my sin lifted off of my shoulders. And now you have people today, I've been in meetings where people have come in, never hearing the gospel before, experienced salvation in a moment, pray, receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues, laying hand on someone, praying for healing, seeing someone healed, giving a prophetic word to someone, all in the matter of minutes. 
That is generational increase. That is generational breakthrough in an area that the church has been faithful to steward through each generation. That's what it's meant to look like. From glory to glory, precept upon precept. It's incredible. And in the same way, you can read other things that were happening in the early church. You can read other portions of our inheritance as believers, and we're still struggling with it. Why? It's because there was people that missed the call to steward it for the next generation. If you, if you, if you want a, a tragic read, anybody left tragedies? <laughs> Everyone's like, no, please. We don't. I don't. Like, when I was in school of ministry, I had to read this book called God's Generals. It's super exciting. I mean, there's like so many incredible testimonies and just awesome stuff through it. One of the things, and not just in that book, if you just study history, one of the things that for me is one of the most tragic deals is you have waves of revival, incredible breakthrough with, I mean, wild testimonies. You can still go to Angelus Temple in, in LA where Amy Simple McPherson led crazy healing revivals. The, the testimonies, they have trailers like shipping containers that are full of crutches and wheelchairs and prosthetics from the number of not just like headaches healed. We're talking creative miracles that it was for a season, ambulance drivers wouldn't take people to the hospital. They would take them to Amy Simple McPherson meetings if she was meeting and somebody got called 911. Do you understand the testimony of God that would be so concrete? Healing is almost guaranteed if you show up that ambulance drivers would bring people to heal the healing meeting instead of to the, to the hospital. I mean, that's like, that is a different level. Well, what, is that still happening down there? I haven't heard of, of ambulance drivers taking people to a healing meeting down in LA. Why? Well, the story continues, and you, you'll, you'll, if you go back and read, you're going you're gonna to see where the baton was dropped. You're going to see a gap where someone, the next generation, didn't understand how to steward the breakthrough that was handed to them. Now, I'm not saying that it has to look exactly the same. Do you understand? Like, it, like If we were down there, and let's say the baton had been passed accurately, right, correctly, people stewarded, it doesn't mean that the meetings would look exactly the same. It doesn't mean that the, the, the type of breakthrough, I think God does at times a divinely supernatural, crazy, overextended level of breakthrough at different seasons in history, intended to spurn the church on. But do you understand that, like, when was the last time that you prayed for somebody in a wheelchair, they stood up and walked around? Can we say that there's, there's, there's a, a, a portion of your inheritance that you have yet to walk in? Can we say that? Can we agree? Yeah? Jesus, John, in the book of John, it's promised, those that believe will do the same works I have done and greater works still. That is a promise. That is a portion of your inheritance as a believer. And it's not just physical healings. What about, what about addictions? What about breakthrough in people's life? What about relational drama? <laughs> I'm sorry. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, what about some of the practical weight and burden that you walk around in, in your marriage and in your relationships and the stuff that's going on that's undermining your, 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 the health of your life and the health of your family? This, there's a portion of our inheritance that we need to know that, that God has actually called us to contend for. That is, it's worth laying your life down because there's generations that are coming after you that are dependent on the war that you are fighting today. 
that you're actually called to engage in a battle to create breakthrough so you have inheritance to pass on to the next generation. That you actually have things that you've paid a price for. Are you following me? All right, I want to read some verses. I have a, I have a ton of verses. I'm definitely not going to get through all of my notes. I only got through maybe half of it for service. So we're just going to go until we have to be done, and then you just have to get me the next time I'm up here. Is that okay? <laughs> awesome. All right. God has linked what he is doing in the world, his plans, his purposes, the prophetic destiny to generational increase in inheritance. Let's just start it. Genesis 1.28. Right? Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on earth. Right? The first commandment to mankind is to be fruitful and multiply. The, the, the actual call, the authoritative call in their life to subdue and have dominion, to understand that those words actually means to bring peace out of chaos. It, dominion and subduing is not about control. It's actually about establishing the peace of God in the middle of chaos. That's actually the call of humankind. And it's directly linked to be fruitful and multiply. That's the first thing. Be fruitful and multiply. And when you do that well, your capacity to subdue the earth and have dominion increases and is actually able to be accomplished. Right? I want you to flip over for just a second. Genesis chapter 17. I want to read you this, this. It's 10 verses, so I want you to follow along if you've got your Bible with you. Genesis 17. You know, it's, it's fascinating how even biologically this is hardware. Hard, oh, man. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's hardwired into who we are. Did you understand, do you know that like when, when a child is conceived, that the current health of the parents is, is written into their genetic code? That through epigenetics, right, your emotional health, all those different things, that the food that you're eating, it turns on and off certain gene activators, and the current health of, during conception of the mother and father actually has a role to play in the actual DNA, the genetic, epigenetic structure of their cells, that's what's getting turned on and off at the time. It's, it's, you, it's, it's actually hardwired into our biology. You, the, the proclivity towards cancer, to, to diabetes, these different things like this. this I know this is, a, I, I understand it could be an awkward conversation, but your health as an individual biologically directly determines the starting place of your children. Now, there's a lot that's also on their shoulders too because you, you can turn on and off different gene and gene expressions through diet, through exercise, through your mental place, like the, the, the anxiety that you steward or don't. So like all these things, like it's kind of current health as well. So there's like this partnership of what's been given to me and then what I steward in my life, which is exactly what we're talking about right now. And this is what I think is so profound about verses like Jesus' blood speaks a better word. Do you understand? It doesn't matter the, the, the genetic code that you were gifted at birth, that through the spirit of adoption, you have been made new. You are born again. His blood speaks a better word over your life. Do you understand that you actually have the capacity to step into a divine inheritance over your life in that moment? I mean, it's, it's, we don't have time to continue to go down that road. It's absolutely fascinating and incredible. Genesis 17, are you ready for this? I want you to hear the generational language in this covenant with Abraham. It says, when Abram was 99 years old, 
the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I'm almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. There it is. Then Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you. You shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make nations of you and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants and you and their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan, as an everlasting possession. I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. That's wild. Every, every promise that God is making in this covenant to Abraham is directly written and connected to generations, to the descendants, right? It's not just to him. It's actually to the, all the ones that are going to come after you. God does everything connected in this way. I, I, I truly believe, and this is going to sound maybe, maybe a little too far-reaching, but I, I truly believe whenever God has an intention for humankind, for this planet, it is intimately connected to generational increase. That he starts something as a seed that then takes generations to actually see the expression of and the fullness of. Do you, did, did Abraham see the fullness of this covenant? Did Abraham walk in the fullness of this promise? He walked in the promise. Did he see it realized in his lifetime? Guys, no. The question is, are you willing to steward something on your life that you will never see the fulfillment of? Are you able to stay so faithful to the assignment in front of you that you could be someone like these in these genealogies that you are written into the genealogy of a purpose that is taking place on this planet? that you stewarded well what was handed you for the next generation. Not, not ever seeing the fullness of it, not fully seeing a full promise realized. Right? I love Lego. It's not Legos, guys. I've said Legos my whole life until I watched a show about Lego, and they're like, it's Lego blocks. Right, Lego is a brand name, and the brand name can't be plural. It was like, oh, okay. Well, now I feel dumb, but I'm probably still going to say Legos because it sounds right. So anyways, I love Lego, right? I love building stuff when I was a kid. How many of you guys have done this? Like you're, you're working at it, and it's just, you know, there's like seven dots over, seven dots to the right. You got to place a little piece, and sometimes the drawings, the colors are off, and it's like the angle is wrong, and you're really working, and so you, you do your best, right? And then several pages later, you get to the point, and you like, you have like two parts that you've been working on. You go to put them together, and they don't fit. Oh. Or you're building like two halves of like a plane or something, and one wing looks good, and the other wing looks like janky, kind of sticking off to the side. And you're like, what did I miss? Like, how did I, how did I mess it up? So, and you have to like go back and find the page that you missed a piece, right? This is actually how God builds through his generations. You know, my life may only be taking one red circle dot and placing it on the red block, seven dots to the left, four from the top, page 175 of a 200-page manual. 
Are you willing to do that faithfully so that in the end, the fullness of the promise of God could be realized and a generation could be transformed? Are you willing to actually understand there's a responsibility on my life to give my heart to maturity so that I actually have something of of value to hand off to the next generation? Are you willing to steward the pain and the difficulty and the humbling and the, 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 uh, the torment of working through marriage stuff so that your home is a place of peace so that you can actually hand off a beautiful generational mindset to your children? They get to be raised in a home where they're experiencing the goodness of God embodied in their parents' relationship and in their, the way that their parents treat them and raise them up. Because guys, that is not easy. That is torment. I'm sorry. I freaking love my wife. She is incredible. I'm going to tell you what, though. There are moments of torment. It is. When your selfish side begins to die and experience the crushing, you either give yourself to it or you run away. There's, there's no in-between. You either give yourself to the, to the understanding of humility that says, I may, have, I may be very successful in some areas of my life, but there's still places of immaturity that need the crushing, that actually need the shaping. And am I willing to hear it through this person that is just annoying the crap out of me? I know that's silly, but there's a value system that is connecting my heart to a process of maturity so that I'm stewarding something to hand off. That I'm actually stewarding something of health to hand off. That what I've paid a price for, my kids don't have to go through the same trials. You know, what's, what's, what's meant to happen is I'm, I'm, it's, it's, God has intended for me to, to have things in my life that I fight for right, that I work for, that I experience breakthrough for, that I, I learn lessons I've learned that I've accrued through this whole thing. And you get it, and it's, it's incredible, and I'm meant to hand that to my child or to the person I'm spiritually fathering or mentoring or working with or coaching or pastoring or in relationship, friendship with that I'm, I've come alongside of. And God intends for me to be able to hand that to them. What's, what's supposed to happen is that that individual takes those things and doesn't reject the momentum that was just placed in their life, but they draft into it so they can face fresh battles and new battles. You know, the greatest mistake as a father, if we can just talk about parenting, is I I hope that you can hear discipleship in what we're talking about. I'll connect the dots maybe a little bit more, more firmly in a minute. But like, what the biggest mistake in my life is if I take my kid, obviously Tristan's not here, second service, if I... Definitely called him out in the first one. I apologized and gave him hugs afterwards. But if, if with my son, my 15-year-old, if we're having a conversation and I'm like, yeah, you know what? You, you're like, I didn't get a car while I was 16. You're going to have to struggle and not get a car because I learned lessons in that. I'm going to call something out in a, in a minute, okay? If that mentality says you have to pay the same price I paid, I do not understand generational breakthrough and inheritance. I don't. The thing is, what is meant to happen is Tristan or any of my children are meant to experience the increase of my life 
so they can face fresh battles, not the same ones I've done. The idea of discipline, the idea of diligence, the idea of working to see breakthrough, to having a goal, saving your money, those are incredible principles. And what should happen is he learns those lessons and has fresh battles to face with them, not the same ones I faced. Are you hearing me? What I'm doing is I'm actually robbing them from the momentum God has, has actually destined them to experience when I do that. I'm withholding them from the momentum in their life. What I should be doing is training him up to handle the inheritance. What I should be doing is preparing him to handle fresh battles, to actually handle the future battles that are coming in a few years that God has created him to face. God didn't create him to face the same ones I did. Do you understand when I was six years old, my parents moved to Africa? I tell some of these stories. I, I, when I think of Adelie, my daughter Adelie, I'm just like, dear Lord, what were my parents thinking? I was in third grade, and I would walk down. Basically, if you could imagine I-95 without it being a freeway with buildings next to it. When I was in third grade, I had to cross that four or five lanes of traffic okay, on my own to the opposite side of the street where there was no crosswalks, nobody stopped. I had to, like, frogger. I had to, like, zip back and forth between lanes, stand really skinny like this as cars were passing other cars, wait for a break, walk in in between the middle line. Like, the number of times we did that every day for school, and then I'd have to walk down a main main path, right? It was a main road where uh, people commuted walking to and from work. Third grade, for like a quarter, half a mile down to the school bus stop. And then wait there on my own for 15, 20 minutes until the school bus showed up. Okay, when I, when I think about that, I'm just like, my parents were insane. <laughs> okay? But you know, I learned some incredible things through that. The mistake I could make would, would to think my children have to go through the same trial that I did. They're not me. God's created and fashioned them different. What they do need to learn, though, is a level of independence and strength to figure things out, to problem solve, to to face what's in their life. Does that make sense? So this is like the, the reaction, though, to like these sort of trust fund baby sort of like analogy things is that like you actually remove inheritance from your children's life to make them face difficulty when God's actually called you to steward it and to build up the character components that they need to learn. What battles are they needing to face? What what road is in front of them? Sometimes when we think about inheritance, we think about rescuing our children from difficult circumstances. No, they, they need difficult circumstances. We learn through difficult circumstances. My job as a parent is to actually walk alongside them and help them process through that in a healthy way, to feel the support and the encouragement, the coaching from the lessons I've learned that they now get to face fresh battles and I'm actually coaching them so they can face it well. But do you understand that that idea of parenting is exactly how biblical discipleship is meant to be? When someone comes into my office, my job is not to rescue them from their circumstances. It's not to tell them how bad they were doing and to punish them and to create a system of, of retribution in their life so that they can feel better about their circumstances. My job is to come alongside and to coach them to say, hey, what do you need to overcome these circumstances? How can I support your process and journey in this road that you're walking? 
That's mentorship. That's actual biblical discipleship. Discipline is discipleship. It's not punishment. And it's this, this understanding of this thing where I've accrued breakthrough and grace that I get to step alongside and hand that strength and momentum to another individual so that they can face their road in front of them. How are you guys following? This is this idea of generational increase. And when you, when you grab a hold of it, all of a sudden your relationships begin to change. All of a sudden, your process and journey, the uniqueness of what you have given your life to, the breakthrough in your life, you understand that God has actually done something unique and beautiful in your life that the body needs. Go back and read Ephesians. What every joint supplies. That is the expression of that, of actually understanding that as a body, there's breakthrough that's resting on your life that the rest of us need that momentum. We actually need that grace expressed in who we are. We need people understanding what they're stewarding and contending for and going after. I want to read a couple more verses. Is that okay? All right. I said it. I'm going to say it again. God's economy works on generational increase and in inheritance. 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed in the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Right? It's the same thing. It's just understanding there's this progressive nature to breakthrough that God works, works in, both in our life and in other people's lives and in through the generations. Exodus 20.12, honor your father and mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God has given you. Life flows from honor. This is honestly so intimately connected to understanding what a culture of honor is meant to look like. Psalms 127, three through five. This is a verse we read at most baby dedications, right? Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. Now listen to this. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies at the gate. What is the connection between that last verse and having children? How many of you guys have wondered that? Just me? When I do baby dedications, I've read that verse so many times, I'm like, I kind of avoid that last verse because I'm not sure what to say. You know? One of the things that God's really begun to show me is that the reason why I can stand at the gate, a place of authority, a place of influence, unashamed, is because the fruit of my life is, is, being, is being born in the children that I'm raising up. The breakthrough of my life, the evidence of the breakthrough of my life comes in the form of fruit, generational fruit. Both physically and spiritually, the people that I've poured into, the, the, the breakthrough, there's all of a sudden I can, I can face enemies, not only because I have a, a, a group of kids that are freaking warriors, right? There's like this, I mean, there's the, the practical side of that. I can stand unashamed facing enemies, but it's actually the fact that the, the stuff that is in my life is, is evidenced by the fruit, the fruit that remains, and that comes from generations. The fruit that remains, when you read about that, it really is referencing the fact that I've, what I've given my life to, you see the fruit of it in all of these other people's lives that are experiencing the breakthrough, and then vice versa, they also have the same thing taking place. Now, I just, I just want to call it out, man. Jim and Kim, I want to say thank you to you guys. You guys, I, I, wanna, I want you to hear something. 
like I know, I, I know that like, like there's probably a room full of these stories, but this morning, you know, I, I, saw, I saw one of my students from our jiu-jitsu academy here. And I think about what God had to do in their life. The fact that Jim had a promise of an incredible job that they were going to, that all got, I mean, just the process of all of that that landed you back in Maine and what you stewarded with, with your kids. You know what I'm saying? And what they then begin to steward and pursue and, and build and, and everything going on. The fact that it would call me from California to come here, some random crazy Californian guy that loves jujitsu that begins to like train people that connects to some random person out in Madison that loves jujitsu, just always wanted to learn how to grapple, steps into my home and begins to experience the goodness of God because of something they paid the price for. Do you understand the actual breakthrough? Like when you understand what God is inviting you into, would you fulfill, would you sow into a promise you may never actually see the fullness of, but your faithfulness unlocks and opens the door for other people's lives to experience God's goodness, to experience the transformation of God, the healing that you've pursued in your life, the fact that some of you come from broken homes and messed up past and you said, I'm not gonna live based on what my family history would say I should be living like. I'm going to live according to what the word of God says over my life and you begin to contend for it in your life. Do you understand the momentum and breakthrough it creates for people you will never know? You will never know some of the fruit that is coming from your faithfulness. And that is the heart of generational increase, generational blessing, generational breakthrough is the fact that you'd be willing to be faithful for something, a promise, a prophetic word, a verse that you read, a thing you read something like, man, I'm not okay with this part of my heart that's still dealing with accusation or or dealing with brokenness or dealing with addiction. I'm gonna go for this thing. I'm gonna fight for it. I'm gonna see breakthrough in this area. And you give your life to it. And one day you're going to stand before Jesus and he's going to say, hey, I want to introduce you to someone. I want you to see this person. He wept night after night like, was this worth it? And Jesus is going to look you in the eyes and say, it was. Look at this person. Look at the family that was touched. Look at the community that was reached. Look at the people's lives that were transformed. This is why we do what we do. This is why kids' church is so freaking important and why it should be the one area of our church that should never need volunteers. It's because a church family recognizes the responsibility to steward a a room full of crazy, ridiculous kids and say, I'll be the love of Jesus for you. I don't have to teach. I don't have to do anything. I'm just going to be here and be safe. I look back at the kids, the, 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 oh my gosh, I gave kids workers the worst time as a kid. <laughs> I was terrible. It was never because I, I wanted to be mean. I just had so much energy. Man, one day, I don't know if I'll ever meet him. I just think back, there's this guy, John McGongie, he's a pastor now, and he's doing incredible things, but he was a volunteer in kids' church, and I remember one, one morning, and I was like eight or nine, and I just, you know, I'm distracted, the whole, there's probably a hundred kids in there, and I'm freaking taking over the whole room, and just being ridiculous, and I'm one of the pastor's kids, you know, it's like, just terrible, and like, oh dear God, Dustin's here again, what do we do? John McGongie take, takes me outside, and 
He just like, listen, buddy, you gotta understand. You, we gotta pay attention. You know, when you're distracted, you distract other people. It's, you know, he's just being loving and engaging with me and patient with me. And I'm sitting there, just wide-eyed, like scared. I'm in trouble, not really knowing why, but also kind of knowing why, but not. You know, it's like the whole thing. And he gets done. He's like, so, and I go, you have the biggest hands I have ever seen in my life. <laughs> And he's just like, thank you. Let's go back in. You know, I think back on these people, you know, that don't, they don't know some of the stuff that has come from my life from these moments where someone expressed patience with me. I'm telling you guys, kids' church should be so full of volunteers that you couldn't volunteer. I'm just being real with you. Can we redefine what it looks like for t- kids' church and churches across the state? As, as a leader, as a pastor that works in multiple churches across the, it is one of the most, it is, it is so frustrating to me to see consistently across churches, kids' church happens to be one of the areas that always struggles with volunteers. And it's because people don't understand the invitation to generational breakthrough, to stewarding something for the next generation. Man, I have a lot more verses. A lot of really good stuff in here. Really, I have some really good notes. Bolded, highlighted stuff. Some Greek, some Greek words in here too. Definitions. Got a lot of really awesome stuff here. <laughs> I'm gonna have to give it to you another time. Listen, <laughs> I want you to understand. If I could leave you with a with a single point this morning, it would be this: lasting impact is generational impact. Lasting impact. The invitation for us this morning, honestly, you guys, is to, is to renew and revive our value system and our understanding of generational increase and blessing. Some of us have, have not done a good job stewarding it, and I'm telling you what, this morning, Jesus speaks a better word. Come on, his blood speaks a better word. There's, there's parents here that are probably maybe looking back over, over mistakes they made with their kids. I'm telling you what, Jesus' blood speaks a better word over that. Do you, do, you, do you understand that he, God, is writing a story in their life as well and that he can work all things together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purposes. That you, if you're struggling this morning with a feeling of regret or shame, I want you to understand there's freedom this morning and you don't need to carry that. Okay, you can trust your children with God despite the mistakes you may or may not have made growing up. I think for some of us, we... We've sort of not known how to engage, and I want, you, I want you to know, whether you have children or you don't have children, God is calling you as a, as a father and as a mother. And that we as a people need to begin to own that and step into that. It doesn't look like control. It doesn't look like trying to fix people. It looks like coming alongside and saying, hey, this area of breakthrough of my life, you can have it. You can carry this, this place of breakthrough. This thing that I fought for, this, this, this healing, this place of, 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 of freedom, it's yours. Come here. What do you need from me? How can I support you? How can I w- walk alongside of you? Do you understand that that's what, it, that's what that looks like? Now, obviously, I have a whole thing. When we teach parenting, I'm telling you what, it's rooted on this same thing. 
We're going to do it this year. We're going to do, we'll do, we'll do some parenting stuff specifically. But I'm telling you what, it is rooted in the same context of actually understanding how do I steward self-control so that my children can manage themselves when they become an adult. When we base our discipleship in the church around external control systems, where we, we, we are, we, the result is people that don't have the strength to stand on their own. When our freedom programs are built upon external control systems, when those external control systems are gone, what happens? They can't stand. Crutches are not meant to be a permanent solution. They're meant to stabilize you while there's healing so then you can develop the strength to stand on your own. Do you understand? And parenting is the exact same thing. When my solutions to parental problems are based around externally controlling my child's behavior, in the end, my child never learns to manage themselves. And then you have an 18-year-old that goes to college and just loses their world. Right? Or you have a 13-year-old who thinks they're 18 and decides to lose it then. (laughs) We've all experienced that. I mean, come on. All right. Can you guys stand with me?